Welcome to the Bruins Benders Podcast, sponsored by Lops Brewing, and presented to you through the Anchor app. It is episode eight. You can follow us on social media at Bruins Benders. We're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, we're also on Facebook, and we're on YouTube as well. Just uh, You just want to search Bruins Benders Podcast, and you'll see an interview we've had with Mike Milbury in episode six. Still up there, so check that out, and you can email us at bruinsbenders at gmail.com. I am your host, Maddie, and my co-host is going to be the new goaltender for the Boston Bruins, Smitty. <laughs> Thank you very much. Why Thank not? you. Yeah, that was uh, tonight's effort was not strong. No. Uh, not strong, and, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But, uh, yeah, they, you know, he, he didn't really give them some saves that they needed tonight. Uh, they weren't great in front of him. Uh, had some bad luck but I'll be between the pipes pretty soon. In fact, you know what I'm thinking we're going to do is we're going to change. This is going to be the only Bruins podcast that is focused solely on Coney High School, Maine basketball. Right, 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 right. Right, We might talk about them. Yeah. 2-0. 2-0. One tonight by 50. So it might be a little Maine hoops talk during the middle of the the Bruins Bandits podcast tonight. Yeah, the entertainment level is off the charts at Coney High School. And not in the Boston TD Garden. Well, let's go back to uh, December 8th. It was the first of this last last four games since our last episode. And at Vancouver. And that was a stinker. So some some bookended stinkers here. Uh, that was a two to one shootout loss, uh, a game that was a real snoozer for the Bruins. You know, haven't really questioned the coaching staff often over the years. I haven't anyway, because I th- think Bruce, Bruce Cassidy and, you know, the, the many different assistant coaches he's had have done a pretty good job overall. But, you know, Taylor Hall needs to play with David Pasternak. I think that's pretty clear. And it was again clear again tonight where there, were, there was some spark there again when he put, you know, Hall and Pasternak back together again without Marshan. So it was a good way to show that they could play together with, with Marshan being out the first time, and now he's out again with the COVID. So I think that that should probably happen. It may be time to break up the perfection line going forward and really give it a go to see if it'll pay any dividends at all. So we'll see, you know, but I think that was a, that was kind of a stinker. You know, to sort of lead off that road trip, and the Bruins hadn't been playing while leading into it, and it was, and you were thinking, now with Marchand out, you're thinking, oh god, like this team is just, you know, really spinning their wheels. But we find out later that that things turn around. Yeah. So uh, Brick praised the effort in that game, and I, I don't know, there was some flu stuff going around. Um, yeah. I think you know McAvoy missed that game, but. All the momentum they had built in the two games previous to that, you know, they had been playing well, maybe not getting the results, you know, against Tampa and so forth. But uh, all that momentum was gone in that game because they were listless. They didn't play well. The the Coyle-Hall-Smith line was awful. The team as a whole wasn't good. And they would have lost long before the shootout if Swayman wasn't standing on his head. Swayman was excellent in that game. Saved, uh, I believe, 31 to 32 uh, going into the shootout. They need to make this DeBrus trade, and they need to shake things up uh, sooner rather than later. Coyle and Hall can't play together. I know you mentioned Hall with Pasternak, and I, I agree with you. I think that needs to happen. I think you got to work in pairs. You go Hall with Pasta. It doesn't matter who you put at center because Hall is going to be the playmaker on that line. And then you go Bergeron, Marchand, and, and you try to figure out the rest. 
because you need to break up the top line because when they don't perform, you lose. So you have to be able to have other guys going. You have to have some kind of secondary scoring. I think that needs to happen. That uh, perfection line needs to be broken up. The coaching staff needs to stop being stubborn about it because in Chicago during their run, they didn't play Kane and Taves together unless they were down in the game and you really needed a spark or something like that. Then they would go to it. Most of the time they didn't play together except on the power play. And I think you have to do a similar thing. You have to break up your top guys and kind of spread them out a little bit and see if you can, you know, widen out where the production comes from. And I agree, you know, and you could make a case and I like Bruce Cassidy and I think he's done a pretty good job as I've said, but you can make a case that he's really ridden the perfection line since he got in here. <laughs> since he got here. The perfection line and took her ask together. You know, he had an elite goaltender and an elite top line. And he really rode that for a long time and has become very loyal to it just because he's afraid, I think, to break it up and go in a different direction. Uh, and he's really sort of milking it and being a little bit stubborn with it. I think you're right. I think they need to make the move with DeBrusque and they need to do something. I mean, they've had some obstacles, you know, the flu, you know, the schedule, you know, COVID. I mean, it just doesn't seem like you can get into any kind of rhythm. Like it's just, they don't have the full roster or they play or they wait five or six days to play. So it's, that's another whole thing as well. So then you go into Edmonton, you think, okay, they're going to play Edmonton and Calgary on the road and they're in trouble. Like they, these, these are two very good teams, teams that they lost to at home. And you thought, oh boy, this is, this is tough, but they get a really good win. They, uh, they win three to two. They blow a two, nothing lead a little bit unlucky after they got that two nothing lead, but DeBrusco, the great snipe short side. Yeah. Uh was a terrific shot. Uh Marshan's thirty second short handed goal of his career with a beautiful finish up under the bar. And then it was nice to see Matt Grizzly get the winner. And that was a huge goal for him mm-hmm. and a huge goal for the team to get someone else to score. And you know, I think Elmar came up with a huge game too, just when Tukarask is lurking and Jeremy Swayman just played extremely well against Vancouver. And Elmar steps in and plays maybe his best hockey of the season. Uh, and they get that win and it was a really good win. It seemed to turn the tables for them a bit. Yeah, that was a big boy win. No question about it. Almark was fantastic in that game. Uh, the third didn't start great, but they got that big goal from Grizzlick and then held on, showed some resilience. I mean, giving up that two goal lead and then having the resilience to, you know, on the road after you lose the night before to come up with that goal and then hold on for the win. That was a, a big boy win, like I said. And there was some borderline penalty calls both ways, uh, I thought, which helped the Oilers get back in the game. Uh, some really ticky-tack calls that, you know, put the best power play in the league on the power play and, you know, dry sidle pots a couple, and then all of a sudden it's 2-2. So really showed some resilience and, and got a big win there. Yeah, it was a really big win. And then you go into uh, two days, was it two days later? Yeah. In Calgary, and you say, okay, now Calgary is a team that really took it to them at the Garden uh, and played really good defensive hockey, and the Bruins really <clears throat> didn't have much of an answer to them. But in this game, the Bruins, again, they went back-to-back games, and you think going in, I thought, boy, if they could just salvage like three out of six points, you know, in this in this West Coast little swing here. Uh, and they ended up getting five out of six, uh, and they played extremely well against the Flames. It was a tough first period. And I thought the biggest stop was Allmark on Dubé with about 52 seconds left in the second period. Mm-hmm. Really, really good save. Uh, Bruins got a big first goal when Markstrom was off his angle, and that was that goal by Clifton where he just came down and threw it at the net and it went in. And then, of course, a beautiful tip by Marshan. Huge shot by 
by by McAvoy, something he should do more often, in my opinion. But he he uh, was able to score there and a greasy goal by the Lazar line, who I thought was really good in that game. Uh, it held on at the end. The Flames made a push as any good team would, and and Allmark was able to to stand his ground and and really had a, another really good game for him. Yeah, I thought it was a nice win. I didn't think they had their best game overall as a team. You know, a little sluggish maybe, but they did take advantage of their chances when they had them. You know, the Marchand tip, uh, the McAvoy goal. Mm -hmm. They were widely outshot, but Allmark was excellent again. And, uh, you know, they still were able to come away with the win. That Frederick bleed Lazar line was excellent again. A couple games in a row that where they were really good. Frederick with a with a with a multi point game in that one. Oh multi. Uh, <laughs> so I think they said that was his first career two point game. I think so, because he only yeah. has like nine points. <laughs> like he, only, he doesn't have any points. Yeah. So yeah. they still uh struggled a little bit turning the puck over and getting out of their own end as a team. Not that line in particular, but as a team and uh it's gonna catch up to them eventually and it seemed like maybe it caught up to them a little bit uh this evening <laughs> it certainly did and it, you know look it's a tough set of circumstances you know they're coming back and usually when you come back from a west coast swing even though it wasn't very long that first home game is usually a little bit of a trap you usually have a little bit of a letdown you come home mm -hmm. you you salvage the, the five points out of six you feel good about yourself and you come home and you kind of let down a little. And that's been sort of the history here and there. They had that going for against them. And then, of course, they have the COVID issues. And Craig Smith and Brad Marchand are out for now for what would be six games, 10 days. Yeah. Six games in there. And that's not good at all. So they have that. And they also had a scare. I think it was uh, the day before, a couple of days before, where they had some testing issues, they called it. Well, I don't know if they were false positives or what they were. So... You have a lot going on there. And then Jeremy Swayman just had a real stinker of a game. It just didn't play very well. I'm not sure I wouldn't have gone with Allmark again there just because ride the hot hand. He won two games there. He had a little bit of a time off. So it wasn't like he's playing back-to-back -back nights. It kind of I may have gone with him there and just sort of rode that hot hand for a while. But they don't. And Swayman just doesn't come up with, with many saves at all for them. It was just not a great performance. And I think, look, the team, Bruins Twitter is just, they just pile on the team mm -hmm. whenever they possibly can. I mean, they just came off five points and six, right. five out of six points, like on the West Coast. And you thought that they could easily lose all those three games. So they don't. And then they have COVID issues and they have, it's still coming off a schedule. They haven't gotten into a rhythm and now they lose their best player again for six more games. So that'll be nine total. So I just think it's, it's, it's stunk. And you have to be accountable and you have to show up and you have to be resilient. And typically this team has been over the years with this core. And tonight they just didn't have it. It just didn't have it. And I, I almost want to give them a little bit of a break because it's, boy, I mean, we're all human. This is like a tough stretch here. It's basically a scheduled loss when you come off of yeah. a long road trip or a road trip, yeah. you know, to Western Canada. So, you know, time zones and all that. You get in late. You know, you have the COVID thing with Marshand and, and Smith. You're not sure if the game's even going to be played because right. there's COVID stuff going on all around the league. You know, some other games were canceled. Calgary's games were canceled. Carolina's got a bunch of guys that have it. I mean, it's it's all over the place. But it was an uninspired they, sure. they didn't really, sh uh, I mean, other than the first five minutes, they had a little bit of jump, but other than that, it was uninspired. They had some bad luck. I mean, you know, Forbert scores again. I don't know, how many goals is that now? I think he has as many goals for the other team as he has for the Bruins. I think so. He's yeah. he's pulling the old Don Sweeney back in the day where, you know, you yes. get to the puck to the front of the net 
and Sweeney was just as likely to put it in as the other team was. <laughs> and Fulbert seems to be along the same lines right now. So at, at the end of the first, I wanted to shut the game off, so off honestly. Yeah. I threw a poll out there uh, on Twitter and said, you know, do I have to finish watching this game? Yes, no, <laughs> or Lord help us all. And Lord <laughs> help us all won. Yeah, um, and on. then there was a, a pretty decent amount of you who, who wanted me to uh, go through the misery with you all and, and finish watching the game. Not many people said wow. I could turn it off. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, Swayman wasn't good. Uh, the team wasn't good. But like you said, give him a pass and, uh, you know, we'll see what can happen here in the next few days. Yeah, I would think so. So now uh, they finished these last four games, 2-1-1, one, and, one, and now 14-9-2. And now it is time for our seven chirps where we talk about seven burning questions about the Boston Bruins. And number one, the defense has been better statistically than people are giving them credit for. If you look at the advanced statistics mm-hmm. that you love so much. It is the real issue, the lack of offensive help from the blue liners. Now, Matt Grizzlick did get a goal, the big game winner mm-hmm. against was it Edmonton. And McAvoy scored uh, against the Flames. And he's, you know, he's been much better, you know, or I should say much more productive offensively at the beginning of this year than in his past couple of years. But overall, does the defense... You know, are they moving the puck the way they need to be? Do they have enough there offensively? Are they chipping in enough offensively to help the forwards generate offense? No, they're not. No. No. Uh, That's the easiest answer. They're they're not. They are... Towards the top, I believe, they're in top 10 in the league in goals by defensemen. Yes, they're like 8th, yeah. I believe, or 7th or 8th in goals by defensemen in the league. So that part is good. But they're mm-hmm. 26th or 27th in assists by defensemen. Yeah. So that so means they're go. not doing a very good job either passing the puck out of their own zone to get it to the forwards to make plays off the rush. Or right. within their own zone, they're not getting shots through. Or they're just right. rimming the puck around and not being creative. I mean, that's kind of why you have a guy like Mike Riley, and he's not giving you anything offensively. Grizzlick is having a down year offensively. His first goal was the other night. Hopefully that gets him going. Uh, McAvoy's been better. Kylo is what he is. He's not great offensively. Forbert's historically has not been great offensively, even though he's chipped in with a few goals. He's not going to be an assist man. So they don't really have a dynamic puck mover back there besides McAvoy. That's why I liked when Nishan was in the lineup. I thought he showed a flash of a little something, making plays creatively in the offensive zone. I feel like that might be a guy that you need in the lineup. And and more, too, who's been in lately. You know, he's not going to give you anything really offensively either. So you have a bunch of guys who are just there that don't really do much. Now that they, they have it. <laughs> so I think I'm with you on, on a Sean because I think a Sean can be a poor man's Tory crude type, you know, where he can, he moves the puck. Well, he's a, he's a pretty good skater. He has a really good shot. So I, you know, throw him in there and, you know, it says something when Jakob's Borrell, you know, comes in and makes some plays and, and it, it jumps off the page of you because it's because your other defenseman stinks. <laughs> right. Your other defenseman <laughs> you know, don't make any plays. <laughs> right. So like Jesus, I didn't realize the ball was so good offensively. Well, he's, he's actually probably pretty average. <laughs> right. <laughs> The one's not very good. Yeah, he's he's yeah. no Kyle McCarr, but he looks like it on the Bruins. <laughs> he does. That is an issue, and it's something that they got Mike Riley for at the end of last season. Exactly and right. Something they and the reason why they resigned him mm-hmm. for three year deal mm-hmm. is because they thought they could get that from him, and they can't. And again, we've talked about this before. 
is that if he's not going to give you something offensively, he's a liability defensively. Correct. So he shouldn't be playing, and he wasn't tonight. He was scratched, and people are in an uproar saying, why is John Moore playing? Well, because at least John Moore is what he is and will be steady. Right. And Mike Riley is a turnover machine. Yeah. You know, come on. So that's that's why. So number two, COVID ravaging the league right now. Brad Marchand and Smith and COVID protocol, they will miss six games. Does this kill their playoff chances? Uh, I think it may. Honestly, I think it may. When you see the Bruins play without Brad Marchand, you realize how much he does for this team and how much they need him. And Ty Anderson said on Twitter, watching the Bruins play without him shows you that he really should be a hard trophy finalist. And he won't win it because the, you know, the league hates him and the rest of the players in the league don't like him because, you know, of his reputation. But it it just shows how valuable he is to the team. Without him, uh, it's a mediocre team at best. And I think if Bergeron retires next year, there's a very good chance that this team as president Presently constituted will be a bottom five roster in the league. I, I honestly believe that. If Bergeron goes and it's Marchand, you know, Pasta, McAvoy, and then a bunch of scrubs, like, yeah, that's it's not good. Not good. Because you, if you look at Taves, Kane, they've been on terrible teams. Right. You know, those guys are um, awful teams. And yeah. Keith, toward the end of his tenure there, I mean, those three good players with bad rosters. And right. Bad. So I, I agree with you. I mean, that could definitely happen. Yeah, I just, I here's a th- one good saving grace is that they literally play three, maybe the three worst teams in the league right now coming up. They play the Islanders, Montreal, and Ottawa in a row. So that can be helpful if they can scratch out, you know, four or five points out of six there just and just tread water. But then there's Carolina on the back end of that and some other teams coming right after that. Carolina's got all that COVID thing happening. Like Ajo's, yeah, Ajo's yeah. out, I believe, and they have yeah, some. They have a bunch of COVID stuff going on. So who knows? Yeah. Like who knows if the games are even going to happen? It's it's getting a little scary it right is. now, kind of like it was last year. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. But, you know, we're almost at January 1st, and typically by Thanksgiving you want to be in playoff position, never mind January 1st. The only team in, that I can think of was the Blues who yeah. were bad and then turned it around. But they turned it around white-hot hockey, which you can't really rely on. And number three, Mike Milbury on WEI said Bruins should strongly consider trading Brad Marchand and or Patrice Bergeron. Would they ever consider that? No, they wouldn't. No, I, I don't think so either. Bergeron is going to retire as a Bruin. I don't think there's any chance in hell that Sweeney or Neely or the Jacobs family would allow that to happen. And my Sean's just, he's too valuable at too good of a contract. Why would you trade him? Right. You know, unless you're blowing the, the whole thing, thing up. But I feel like they, they feel like, you know, with Marshand, with Pasternak, with Hall, with McAvoy, like you have a decent core, especially if, you know, Swayman turns into a legit goaltender or you have Rask or Allmark or whatever it is. You know, if you have pretty good goaltending in that core group, you can mm-hmm. supplement around them. You just have mm-hmm. to stop giving, you know, contracts to the likes of Felino and Halla and Riley. You, you got to stop giving those contracts out. To, so you can start supplementing them with guys who can actually play. And and I admit it, I was on the Felino train at the beginning. I, I liked the signing. I thought he would bring an edge that the Bruins need, but he just hasn't shown it. I don't know if he just he's not fast enough to catch up to right. to do it or if he's pressing, trying too hard right. to score that first goal, whatever it is, but it's it's just not working out. Maybe he needs a different sentiment. I don't know, but it's not working out with him. Somebody tweeted out tonight, David Beck is 2.0, and it's not that far <laughs> off because yeah. it just looks like he's not the same player. And there's been a steady decline in his numbers. And giving him 3.8 million 
it seems to be a bit of a stretch. But again, they haven't developed bottom six forwards that they can play on the cheap like they've had in the past. Like they had Noel Achari and they have Sean Corrali. And those guys play out there early entry deal, whatever. And then when they come up to be re-up, then you move on, which you should for fourth liners or third line, whatever. So, but they haven't been able to do that. So they had to go pay for Eric Holla and Nick Felino and Thomas Nosek. They had to pay extra money when those guys should be more $1 million to $2 million players. Now they're 3 to $4 million players. Mm-hmm. And that closes down your cap space like it just does. So that's a big issue to having to go get those guys to try to fill those slots that you should have filled in player development. And that's part of the problem. Here's the thing about the Bergeron thing. I actually wouldn't be, I wouldn't be against it if for two things, if they really went to Bergeron and said, Hey, we're we're just not going to get there. And again, (laughs) and do you want to play somewhere? Are you thinking we might want to win a cup and have that Ray Bork discussion? And if they do, then you know what? Maybe, if the only reason why you're not doing it is because you love him so much and you want him to be a Bruin for life, is that really a good enough reason if he's willing to go somewhere else? So, I mean, it, it comes to that the crossroads where you think, well, you know, maybe if he wanted to or if he was open to it, you know, maybe you have to make that type of move. Because if you, I mean, would you do like a, I don't know, I'm just, I just thought about this the other day. I was looking through some rosters. And if you could do like, I don't know, Alex Newhook, you know, Sam Gerard and a first rounder or something from Colorado or something like that, you would at least entertain something along those lines, whether that's enough or not enough or whatever. But I mean, it's, it's not like some people just poo poo it. Like there's never gonna, you know, they'll never do it. They shouldn't do it. And I get that, but boy, it's, I wouldn't screw it up like the Bork trade. You know, I wouldn't get no. Wayne Primo and whatever the fuck or whoever they got for him. They didn't get Wayne for who they get for Bork. They got, I don't even know who they got for Bork. Who they get? Oh, they get uh, Sammy Paulson. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. I mean, I don't even know who they got for Bork. And the reason why they don't know is because it stunk. It wasn't a right. good trade. Like, I'd be open to it if he was open to it. And if they got, like, some real value they could turn this roster around with, then I'd be slightly open to it. I wouldn't completely close the door on it. Brad Marchand, I wouldn't move because he's younger and he's a top five player in the league. <laughs> yeah, you don't trade those guys. That's like trading Tyler Sagan for Louis right. Erickson and Keith Primo and a bag of donuts. It's like, yeah, what, I mean, what are we doing? Yeah, that's not enough. I mean, it's, you know, just moving on from... The Bergeron thing, though, he already won a cup here, so if it's, like, to go that pursue helps. a cup somewhere yeah. else, like, right. I don't know. But, I mean, if you ask the guy and yeah. say, I wouldn't say we're actively looking to trade you. I would just say, no. you know, do you want to go somewhere in your last year or two to try to win? And if he My- does then you entertain yeah, it. But, other- yeah. but otherwise, he yeah. should retire. I mean, he should retire. He probably will. Even if he went will. somewhere else, he'd sign a one-day contract, come back, retire, right. Bruin, his number would go up uh, right. in the rafters where it should be. Yeah, and I agree. But if you could turn, you know, get a really good return, then and he was willing to go, then I, mean, I wouldn't close 100%. But that's sacrilegious. Uh, number four, is Bruce Cassidy's success all about Rask and the perfection line we, we just talked about? Can he elevate other players? And boy, I mean, if you really looked at it, he has ridden the perfection line and he rode Tukarask as an elite goalie for a long time there, many seasons. And now the roster has turned over some and will turn over even more. Could you question whether or not he can elevate other players or get something more from the most out of players. I mean, Pasternak kind of blossomed under him, so I think you have to give you have to give that McAvoy has you have to give that a check in his 
in his column. Right. Some of the other guys, I mean, I'll go back to the drafting thing, which I've said a hundred times. Like if, yeah. if the guy's no good to start with, where can yeah. you elevate him to? Right. Yeah. If you draft Trent Frederick, where can you elevate him to? He's not going to all of a sudden turn into, you know, Brendan Shanahan or, yeah, JBR, or yeah, yeah, right, Cam right. Neely. That's not who he no. is. You drafted no. a shitty guy who was a borderline first rounder that wasn't a first rounder, that shouldn't have been a first rounder in the first no. round. I feel like they expect their players to play a certain way. And I mean, even before Cassidy, they expect a 200 foot game from you. And if you don't they play do. a 200 foot game, we you're, won't play. you're not going to play. Yeah. No. So Jackson Nick is the perfect example of that. He's not playing that game. He's not going to play. Right. And and that's and that's the same thing with DeBrusque. Like if you show flashes offensively, but when it comes time to do the hard work on the back check and so forth, you loaf it back nine yeah. times out of ten. So yeah. that's yeah. why you're in the doghouse and that's potentially getting traded. Right. That's uh, it's just not good enough. And you're right. Number five, should the NHL send players to the Olympics? I would love to see it selfishly just because I love yeah. Olympic hockey and I love seeing, you know, the best of the best of the best play against each other, you know, in the Olympics. But I mean, honestly, I don't think you can. I don't think you can. I don't think the league will. The, I really with, don't think the league is going to because if you get COVID over there, you have to wait like three to five weeks. Yeah, it's like a 21-day quarantine or something like that. And those those owners are not going to risk having Sidney Crosby or Alex Ovechkin or whoever over there. They're just not going to risk having star players over there getting COVID and they can't come back for five weeks, you know, can't come back for 15 games or whatever it is. Like mm-hmm. it just, they just can't, it can't risk that. It can't. And I want it too, but I also want a season. Like I, I also right. want teams to be at full strength. And, you know, I, I like the idea of just going to, someone says something about going to Vegas and just playing like a, like some sort of showdown or something in Vegas or some, something where you just within the league, you have, you know, your different teams or what have you. I feel like that they might need that Olympic break window to make games up with all the, with all the COVID stuff going on, all the games being canceled. Like if the Bruins got shut down for two weeks, the schedule that they have the second half of the season being as packed as it is already, they need extra time. They couldn't fit more games in, in the last, you know, second half of the season. Cause there, there aren't enough days to do it. They are already playing, you know, like a ridiculous amount of games in a right. short amount of yeah. time. So if you add in, you know, a two-week break where they miss five, seven, eight games, you know, they can't play 38 games in 60 days or something. It's just impossible. Yeah, it is. And I, I, I'm, I'm with you. And, and the problem is, is that the arenas, they've scheduled other things. What a mess scheduling-wise that'll be. Like, I don't even know what's going on at the Garden from, what is it, February 1st to the 24th or whatever it is. What is it, like, Disney on Ice or something? Yeah, probably it's the circus. circus. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Andrea Bocelli for, you know, 17 dates. I have no idea what it is, but that's something. I mean, something's going to happen there. So I don't know. It's a, it's a friggin' mess. And I think I would have just backed off from the whole Olympic thing this year, knowing that still in the midst of a pandemic and you're trying to get some normalcy. Why why are we stretching it by trying to go to the Olympics now? It's just, it jumped the gun there. I think number six, Danton Heinen and Andre Kasha. Are producing. They should have eight goals, I believe. Jake DeBrusque and Jack Sednica struggling. Is there an issue with developing young forwards, as we just uh, sort of touched on a bit? But is there an issue here with all the young forwards we heard about, Ryan Donato, and all these guys over the years that we've heard about? 
and none of them, and now they're all mostly gone. Danik is the last one. So, like, Ryan Donato, he's still in the league. He's not really. Like, he was kicking around the fourth line in Minnesota. So, it's not like, yeah. you know, they traded Charlie Coyle for him, and all of a sudden he's putting yeah. up 30 somewhere else. He's not. Right. Okay? He's not. He's not. So, and the Denton Heinen thing, I never understood that trade in the first place. If you want to trade him, yeah. trade him for something else, but you traded him for right. Nick Ritchie. And, you know, Danton Heinen didn't offer much. Nick Ritchie scored some goals on the power play, but other than that, he did absolutely zero for you. Zero. zero. Nothing. Yeah. And Andre Kasha, when he was yeah. here, his possession numbers and all the Corsi and all that were fantastic. But he was concussed for the majority of the time he was here and was not on the ice. <laughs> so right. I, you can, I don't know how you can develop a guy who's sitting in the stands. You can't. Mm -hmm. Because he's concussed, and he, I mean, if he goes up to Toronto, he has eight goals. But if he gets hit the wrong way, somebody looks at him the wrong way up there, he's going to be out yeah. for the rest of the season, probably. Maybe a career. So, yeah. I mean, so, yeah, if you look at those things, I mean, Denton Heinen, I'm with you. I think they got a little bit too much you know, hell bent on the whole, we're not heavy enough thing. Oh, Take they the did one heavy for sure. Guy that they could get who stinks. Like the one heavy guy, it was a total Bruins, old school Bruins trade. We're going to get the heavy guy that's going to hit and create, uh, you know, the culture or, you know, live on with the culture of the Bruins. And they traded more talented player for that guy. And then that guy's gone. Yeah. So I, I, I'm with you on that one. I think that was a real, I think that, I, and, and you know what? It's not the worst trade ever. It just wasn't great. Like, it just wasn't the right one. It just wasn't. And I don't miss Denton Heinen. But it's not a trade you make. It's, a, you know, like you said, it's get a get another guy. Get a guy with some skill or a guy with a change of scenery guy or a guy that has some potential. Not Nick Ritchie. I mean, he can't skate. So he stood him in front of the Nets. It's the only way he scored goals. He couldn't score 5-on-5. Five five. He took bad penalties. He, then he played fake tough guy because they wanted him to be tough. Right. I mean, he's, he's, he's Christ. So that was bad. So I don't know. I mean, it's, I think that you go back to the drafting and the drafting is really where it hurt. You can't develop guys who suck. That, I'm going to put that on a t-shirt. I think that might be a Bruins vendors t-shirt item for, uh, for the merch store down the road. You can't develop guys that suck. Yeah. And on the back of it, for like all the, like, right. yeah. Like you, like the young kids yeah. at a hockey tournament. will just list oh, them yeah. all. We'll list them all. Oh, Ryan Spooner, 10 and two. The fuck out of here. That's great gear. Frank Petrano. <laughs> that's great gear. Uh, all right. And then number seven, in or out on Evander Kane. All right. Uh, I am in, depending on what you have to give up. If it's a low round draft pick and the other, and the Sharks eat a shitload of salary, I'm in because he yeah. can play. And I know yeah. he's an asshole. I know he's a bad guy. I know all that stuff. I feel like the Bruins culture can withstand that. So I'm in because he can play. He adds a physicality and a feistiness on the ice that the team needs. Mm -hmm. He's not going to take any shit. He'll fight people. He maybe he'll fight teammates. I don't know. Sounds like kind of an asshole, but right. uh, I feel like the Bruins culture can can withstand that. So I would be in if you're giving up a low round pick, maybe, and you know they eat the majority of the salary. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And I looked at the stats, and he, he's pretty productive. He he is he's more productive than I thought. Like, yeah, he's like 
mid-20s goals, 60 points. Like, he's he's pretty good. Like, he was better than I thought. Like, I thought he was more up and down. He's really pretty consistent on the ice. He's also consistently a douchebag. There's that, too. But I'm with you. I'd kick the can on it. If I really wanted to to do a low-risk, high-reward and try to make a go of it with this group one last time and thought you had, maybe he's the missing piece or one of them. Because I'll tell you what, you put Kane with Bergeron and Marchand. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, and you put Pasternak and Hall with Coyle. That's that. Okay. Then you have Smith on your third line. That's where you want him. So Haller, Smith, and whoever. Yeah. I'm with you. That's a game changer. Again, if he toes the line and he's not a complete idiot, a low-risk, high-reward, I'd do it. Look, if you're... If you're not willing to rebuild and can it all, and you're in this teetering in the middle of mediocrity or slightly above, yeah. which is the worst place to be. Mm-hmm. So you either go for it with this, or you just knock it all down and start again. Yeah. Like you, you, ha- you can't keep straddling the line. Yeah, with this group, you, if you want to, if you want to go all in with this group, you have to take some kind of chances. You have to take some kind of risks. You, you can't just keep doing what you've been doing for the last two, three years and saying, oh, eventually it'll work out for us or eventually we'll strike gold or eventually, you know, your roster as a whole isn't good enough to go up against no. the top teams in the league and win no. consistently. So you have to do something to shake it up. And he is talented. He's an asshole, but he's talented. So if it happens to work out, you know, if he comes to Jesus moment, you know, praise Jesus, whatever it is, (laughs) you know, comes to Bergeron and straightens himself out a little bit, then it could be a huge win for them. So that's kind of the thing that they have to do. Try to hit a home run. You're not going to get back to the top of the league, you know, hitting singles, trading four A players for four A players. You got to make some kind of a bold move. And that yeah. would be a bold move because the guy's a prick. You got to make a hockey trade. And yeah. That would be a hockey trade for sure. All right, we'll take a break and come back with a whipping boy segment right after this. Bruins fans, if you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. So go ahead and download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, we are back on the Bruins Benders Podcast, Episode 8. We're happy to have you with us, and we're now going to do our Whipping Boy segment. My whipping boy has been Trent Frederick, and lo and behold, Trent Frederick has been playing better, had a multi-point night, as you, as you, as you pointed out. Yes, he did. His first of his career, of his, of his <laughs> illustrious career. Uh, recently, though, Trent Frederick, just a couple of days ago or yesterday, said that the Bruins should have responded to the Bergeron targeting by the Nashville Predators. And, okay, I might agree, but I'm wondering, why didn't he? <laughs> Because isn't that him? Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like he's the guy that should be his job. Yeah. What else are you doing? Yeah. Honestly. I mean, not doing much of anything else. Uh, no. Multiple games recently, I guess that's what he's doing. He's had a multi-point game. He's been 
more involved physically. So hopefully that continues and he surprises the fuck out of me and you and <laughs> establishes himself as a, you know, a bottom six center in this league because the Bruins certainly fucking need it. So it'd be nice if, uh, if he grew up and produced and took one of those jobs. Yeah. And, and developed skating ability. And I don't know. He's, he's a, he's a centerman catching the passes. You can't catch a pass. Can't win a face off. It can't skate. But other than that, boy, the guy has serious potential. So Trent Frederick, uh, I guess the jury's still out. He has been better and looks like for the foreseeable future, he's your third line center. Scary as it is. My whipping boy is Connor Clifton. Uh, he was scratched for a little bit, but uh, since he's been back in the lineup, he's been pretty good. He's been staying more within himself. He's been physical. Hasn't been running around as much. I still caught him tonight a few times, like going halfway up the, the wall to make a hit and leaving the front of the net wide open. And he just, just so happens he get lucky a few times because they couldn't get the puck back to the front of the net in time. But he would have been out of position. Just hasn't caught up with him yet. So he did score his first goal of the season. So I, I guess things are trending in the right direction for him. He's been in. He's been okay. So hopefully, fingers crossed, that continues. Yeah, it, looks like now it looks like now they're going Clifton more, and then you have to wonder if they're going to go Clifton Zaboral and what's going to happen with Mike Riley. I mean, I'm sure he'll get in again. Guys get hurt and what have you. But I guess you have to – maybe – I'm sure they'll put Riley back in. He makes too much money, and he's on a three-year deal, and they re-signed him, and I'm sure he's going to get back in there. But we'll see how he does, and if he doesn't, then you might see – Cliffy in there. Maybe they're looking oh, yeah. to trade one of Clifton Moore Maybe. or Riley and Maybe. putting them out there, putting them in the lineup, showcase them a little bit, throw them in Maybe. with DeBrusque and, and steal Thomas Hartle from the Sharks for, oh, Jesus. for, for Clifton, a, Clifton and Fred. Jake and a bag of pucks. I don't know. Oh, my Lord. Fingers crossed. Uh, fingers crossed for sure. Yeah, fingers crossed the San Jose GM is an asshole and is stupid. Oh, hopefully. Jesus. All right, so here we are with the, the beauties and the benders section. So right now, we're going to each have our three beauties, three guys who performed extremely well in these past three games. And I will begin with number three, Linus Allmark. Two great games against the Oil and the Flames. He was terrific. So I have him in there at three. Number two, Curtis Lazar, who had two goals this week, and that line was very good against the Flames. And I think Lazar is starting to pick up a little bit of confidence. Of course, scoring goals helps your confidence level, and I think you're seeing a little bit more out of Lazar. And number one, I have Patrice Bergeron, because I think he's been pretty constant, even through the Marchand suspension, and now without Marchand for COVID, he scored tonight. You know, he's obviously one of the tremendous leaders in the league, and he's ageless. He keeps uh, producing just when he thinks he may be losing a step. He comes back and produces, and so he's my number one beauty for this week. My three beauties this week are the same three guys, so uh, just a little bit slightly different order. So I have Allmark also. He was excellent in the in the two games. He was forty one of forty three against the Oilers and forty of forty two uh, in saves against the Flames. So really fantastic work by him and those two uh, big wins on the road. I have Bergeron too, consistent even with the broken nose, gets the thing reset. He's in a fishbowl, mm -hmm. trying to acclimate to that. Marchand in and out of the lineup, mm -hmm. still producing, still constant, great on the PK, leader, face-offs, the whole ball yeah. of wax. Awesome. And then I have Lazar first, two goals this week. Thought he's been playing really well lately. He's getting more chances around the net. He's taking pucks to the net. He's agitating a little bit. His line with Bleed and, and Frederick has been playing really well. So uh, I have Lazar at number one. All right, and now it's time for our Benders, three benders, three guys who have been less than stellar. Uh, and for me, number three, 
Mike Riley. Face it, you're a neo-maxi Zoom dweeby. Mike Riley scratched today. His, his <laughs> him and his, you know, three and a half million dollars a year. And and when you're when you're struggling with your bottom pair defenseman and he can't get in the lineup, that's a problem. So Mike Riley is number three. Number two, I have to give it to Jeremy Swayman. Face it, you're a neo-maxi Zoom dweeby. Sway, who has Tuka Rask breathing down his neck and Linus Allmark playing terrific, was god-awful tonight. So Sway gets number two. He was pretty good against Vancouver. He was. Uh, he actually stood, stood in his head a bit. But this is what you call a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately business. Uh, absolutely. Lately, he did nothing. So number two <laughs> is Jeremy Swayman. And number one, really one of the great signings of the offseason, <laughs> Face, you're a neo-maxi Zoom dweeby. Felino, as we've talked about, looks kind of slow isn't really offering much as way of, of hitting or providing a physical nature. Uh, he's obviously good in the room. Guys like him. Uh, he carries some value there, but on the ice, he just hasn't given much at all. And three point was a 3.8 million price tag is too, too high for Nick Felino. So he is my number one bender. My number three bender is Charlie Coyle. Face You're a Neo maxi zoom dweeby. He has been good for most of the season. This little stretch, though, this uh, West Coast swing, and then tonight he has one assist in the last four games. Minus player hasn't really been doing much. So Coyle's number three. They need more from him, especially with him being the second-line center. So number two, I have Eric Halla. Face, you're a neo-maxi Zoom dweeby. Eric Halla has done nothing, and he was touted as someone that was going to come here and show his speed and like he could skate, and he looks slow to me, and I don't know if he's coming off an injury or if there was something there in Minnesota. They let him go. They knew didn't have the same jump that he used to, but he's really not doing much, not offering much, just kind of skating around out there, so there really isn't anything to that. And then number one, I have Nick Felino. Face, you're a Neo Maxi Zoom dweeby. Felino has zero goals on the season. How many games in are we? 20 some games in? That's, uh, let's see, 25. 25. Tonight, 25. So more than a quarter away through zero. the season, and he has zero goals <laughs> yeah. for 3.8 yeah. million. You don't like to put the contract in that in the same sentence. You know, it's not really fair, but at the same time, you know, they're paying you that kind of money. They were talking about you bouncing up and down the lineup, possibly top line at some point. You're playing on the first fucking power play right now. You have to have more than four points on the season. I think it's time for Nick to watch some games from the ninth floor, honestly. I, I said I, this I during the game tonight, and he needs to watch. Eric Hall had to watch. He needs to watch. It's time for Nick to watch some games. Yeah. Zero, zero goals in 25 games. How many goals per game is that? That's uh, a <laughs> zero. That's zero. Yeah, that's zero. All right. I'm not a math major. I was just doing it in my head. All right. So now it is time for our top seven Bruins Benders podcast power rankings as we list the top seven teams in the league. And number seven, a new entry again, the Tampa Bay Lightning return to the, uh, the rankings as number seven. Number six, the New York Rangers fall two spots, but they are the sixth best team in the Bruins Brenders podcast rankings. Number five, Edmonton rejoins the top seven. Been very strong. They had a tough go of it against the Bruins there in Edmonton, but still a very good team with probably the two best players in the league. Uh, number four, Toronto drops two spots, but they have been 
playing pretty well this year. Austin Matthews, tremendous talent. Actually, John Tavares has had a sneaky good year. Haven't heard much from him. Yeah, Tavares and Nylander have both been really good so far. They've been pretty good. So that's a team that uh, will probably fold at the end of the year, but right now doing pretty well. Number three, Washington is still at three with Alex Ovechkin having another terrific year, scoring goals upon goals and inching ever closer to Gretzky. Number two, Minnesota Wilds move up five spots. Wilds are really good. And they're a different team than the Wild team of the past. You would watch the Wild back in the day, and, boy, they didn't score that much. And no. they were kind of a tight-checking team. It was just awful hockey. But they are a pretty dynamic team now. Different makeup to them. So how about when the Wild used to play the Bruins and Julian? And oh, yeah. They were certainly hoping those, those games were going to be like one nothing in, in the oh, shootout, one nothing in overtime. Flies fornicating. My you know, God. Just dump and chase, dump and chase. Everybody get back. Everybody get back. Five guys flying V from the fucking ducks, but it wasn't flying. You shoot the duck in the head. Everybody just everybody in the crease just preventing goals from going in. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Shots would be 15 11. (laughs) 47 blocks. Oh, yeah. The snooze fest. And then number one, Florida still at number one. Very good team. Team to be reckoned with and mm-hmm. a team that I think you might see in the Stanley Cup Finals this year. Of course, it depends on the goaltending, but they certainly have the roster uh, to get there. So there's the top seven Bruins-Benders podcast power rankings. So the bottom three Bruins-Benders podcast power rankings. <laughs> <laughs> the the Philadelphia, Philadelphia Flyers checking at 30. They're 2-7-1 and one in their last 10, uh, and they are free-falling like Tom Petty, yes, yeah, again. <laughs> like a damn stone. There's a mix there that needs to be shaken up. You know, Giroux's been there a long time. They haven't had, like, Carter Hart was hot early in the season, but has kind of come back to earth again. So they're struggling there. Number 31, the Arizona Coyotes can't pay the bills. <laughs> so uh, on, t- on top of being a <laughs> horrendous hockey team, they're $140 million in debt to the, to the city of Glendale. And uh, <laughs> pretty soon during a game, somebody's just going to turn the lights off and be like, that's it. Yeah. Uh, that's all right. right, everybody go home. And then uh, number 32, yo, Montreal Canadiens. Uh, yeah. uh, Jeff no. Gorton's still practicing his French up there, but the team oh, still yeah. stinks. So <laughs> They do, and they will stink. Boy, they took a nosedive. I really thought that they'd continue to, to grow and get better, and they've been getting exponentially worse. So the week ahead for the Bruins, as we mentioned earlier, three very winnable but road games that are very winnable, three of the bottom you know, five teams in the league, really. The Islanders on the 16th of December, December 18th at Montreal, and then December 19th, the next day, at Ottawa. And then they will finish right before we have our next episode on December 21st versus the Carolina Hurricanes, one of the better teams in the league. Uh, So this is three, maybe the three worst teams in the conference, followed by three home games against some pretty quality teams. So if you look at, you know, Marchand and, and Smith being out for six games, so five more games. So three of those against some bottom feeders. So hopefully the Bruins can still scratch out some points there and sort of buy some time before they come back. Yeah, I believe Barzal is out with COVID also. So that will certainly help against the Islanders because he's very dynamic for them. Hopefully that helps. And then Carolina has COVID issues too, who's the last team that the Bruins are supposed to face. So who knows if that will be cleared up by then or not. You know, I don't know if Ajo will be back by that game, but he certainly means a lot to that team. So if the Bruins could catch Carolina a little shorthanded with them being a little shorthanded, you know, maybe 
Maybe they'll be able to to squeak one out. You really need, if you're the Bruins, six out of eight right here. You yeah. really, really do. You have to win those three winnable games, yeah. and then hopefully you you know you beat Carolina and you get on get on a little bit of a run. But you really need to win those first three. You're absolutely doing. I think you'll see all mark. I would say three out of four of those. Swayman will probably play the Ottawa game, I would think, on the 19th. But I'd like to see Almark be sort of the number one guy now going forward. Mm-hmm. Especially when you know that Swayman is going to have to be sent down if Tukaraska is signed. So I think you have to create that separation a little bit. And I think it's sort of organically happening with Swayman not playing particularly well tonight and Almark playing pretty sharply. So probably going to work itself out. But I think you need to, to make that step right now so that you don't create this weird, awkward, you know, send down to a guy who could potentially be, you know, what if Swayman's fairly hot? And then, then what are you doing? It right. seems awkward. Yeah. So I think it's, it's time for Almar uh, right now. So Bender's poll, we had a Bruins-Bender's poll. Of course, maybe you mentioned the uh, the poll, whether or not you should watch the game. We had 14 votes for that one. <laughs> yeah. And uh, <laughs> so that was good. We had 71 votes for our poll recently. Who would your number one goalie be at the end of the season? 20% said Jeremy Swayman. 15% said... Linus Allmark in 65% said Tuka Rask. Yeah, so all those Tuka haters out there, take that dose of medicine. And and I wonder this, if you were to run that poll this evening after, after the game that Swayman just played, oh, yeah. I would venture to guess that the Allmark and Swayman numbers would be switched. <laughs> I, I, I think yeah, I think Allmark would be at 20 and Swayman yeah. would be at 15. Swayman would probably be less than 15, honestly, after the game he yeah, had tonight. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that, of course, judging by this poll result, this really can't happen because it really can't be Rask and Swayman. It's going to have to be Rask and Allmark and one of those two guys, you know, moving on as the number one goalie going forward because Swayman's the guy who has options to go down and be waived and sent down. It doesn't have to go through waivers, rather, and can be sent down to Providence. So that's what it's going to be like. But Tuka Rask, like you, like you mentioned, he got just creamed until he's gone. And now... 65% want him back. So I want to see all those people who were crushing him. Yeah. And now, now they're realizing, boy, he really was an illegal. Yeah, he really was pretty good, wasn't he? Yeah, he was pretty pretty goddamn good. Um, all right, so we want you to remember to rate and review for charity. For every rate and review on Apple Podcasts, we are going to send some money to the Bruins Foundation. Uh, and we have upped it. We are going to send $50,000 for every rate and review <laughs> <laughs> for charity because we haven't had one yet. So if you do, we are going to send a, you know, a, a yet-to-be-determined amount. We're going to make it real special. But go on to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the Bruins Brenda's Podcast. We or, appreciate or, or just go on to Apple Podcasts and listen to the show. And listen to the show. <laughs> just yeah. listen to the show. Every listen will send, you know, yeah. dollar. Yeah. yeah, for every for every person that actually listens to the show, we'll send yeah. a penny. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, a penny to everybody who listens. Penny there per listen. Penny per listen. Every single person that listens. Now you are adding, you are helping charities during this holiday, during the holiday season. I think it's a great idea. <laughs> uh, we, we, we appreciate all that. Do listen. And thanks again for listening again. We're going to have a little, maybe a little special guest next week. We'll, we'll check it out and check us out every Wednesday night. We drop new episodes for now. I'm Maddie and for Smitty. Thanks a lot for listening and go Bruins. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.